0: Hello and welcome to In Stitches, the upholstery podcast for upholsterers, telling your story and inspiring others, with me, your host, Robbie Richardson. And I'm absolutely delighted to welcome to the show today, Greg Cuppet-Jones. I've, I've messed up your name already, but we won't go there. Um, welcome. Everybody does. How do you say your name? Go on, let's Cupid go it, jones C- Cupid jones Keep it. Okay, so I got that well wrong. Excellent. I meant to ask you that when we started recording. Brilliant. <laughs> right. So, you know the Patrick, you know how we start off. So, when you yeah. were uh, coming up to school leaving age, you know, you, you, you're getting yeah. ready to go to school. Did uh, get go to school, you're getting ready to start work. Did you, did you have aspirations to become a marine biologist or an international playboy?
1: No, I would, well, I'd have been a playboy for 22, but but no, I went, i wanted to become a cartographer. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. When I left school, but that didn't pan out because I didn't get the grades when I was at school. Okay. So um. You can map out your I
0: future went, then. I went
1: down. I went down a different route.
0: You do. <laughs> and did you did you go straight into upholstery then? No,
1: know. no. When, uh, when I left school um, and I didn't become a cartographer, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So um, I went to a local college and um, went on an art and design course and did, did various different things. I did um, sort of faux marbling and that sort of thing. And while I was there, I took um, my sitting guilds in carpentry and joinery and in um, stonemasonry. Okay. So I knew that I wanted So I knew that I wanted to go down the sort of the craft route, as they say. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was a two year, two year course down in Dorset and passed all those. And then I decided that I wanted to become a furniture maker. When I left there, I went to, um, I I approached different sort of colleges that did cabinet making and um, I was accepted on a course in Manchester, Manchester Furniture College. Yeah. And uh, so I got accepted there. And I also got accepted at Rycote Wood in Tame. And so um, I decided that Rycote Wood had a better reputation. So I turned down the three-year degree course at uh, Manchester and did a one-year um, mature student course at Rycote Wood in Tame.
0: Now, how old were you?
1: Um, I was probably about 19. Oh, OK. I left school at 16. I left school at 16. Yeah. I I went to boarding school when I was eight. Right. And and so I was at boarding school until I was from eight to 16. So uh, my parents lived in the Middle East. So I came home to school and then um, was one of those expat children that used to fly out to the Middle East
0: every holidays. that must have been an interesting life. Yeah, loved it, absolutely loved it. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. And so talk us through your first job. Tell us about your first job, actually earning money.
1: Um, my first job was part-time working out in the Middle East, and um, I worked on a diving support ship, sort of helping the divers. So I lived, on, I lived on board because my father worked for an oil company, um, he knew a lot of people, so um, when I left school, um, really my first, it was a holiday job more than anything else, but I did that for a couple of summers, and so I lived on board with the English divers, and um, we dived and we um, bagged pipelines, so, so we put diving stuff on and and sort of bar- and sort of sandbagged the pipelines from the oil fields. So um, it was not very deep, maybe about five meters deep, but it was good fun.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: So, but my first my first upholstery job was um, really when I left I left college in High Wycombe. So, um, but what, what probably the best thing to do is go back to. I did Ryecroft Woods. Um, I did a yeah. year's course there. Really, I got involved with upholstery from Ryecotwood, and that's where where my upholstery started. I know we're jumping into another another question. Really, um, that's fine. That's fine. But yeah, I, fine. I did an evening course. I did an evening course with a guy called John Hopkins, who was yes. one of the upholstery tutors at Bucks College when it was Bucks College, and I did a modern headboard, and I got hooked. And when my course finished, I applied to go to um, Buckinghamshire College of Higher Education and went on their fine craft course, which was a three-year diploma course. And really, I suppose, I went there to do upholstery. So I went against the grain of everybody else. Um, they're all sort of doing fine cabinet work in there, yeah. and they're teams oh, together oh. And, and upholstering them. <laughs> <Yeah. Okay.
0: laughs> cool.
1: And so, and so I, took my, I took my sitting guilds whilst I was doing that course. So that was a three-year course. Yeah. And so I, I designed and made, um, well, I suppose my first piece of upholstery furniture was a small button nursing chair that my father, my father owned. It was modern and I ripped it all out. And I was lucky enough that my upholstery tutor there then was David James. <laughs> Brilliant. So um, he looked after me, really, for the three years. And I, I really learned most of my upholstery from David James.
0: Wow.
1: Whilst, whilst I was there.
0: That's, that's not, none too shabby a tutor to have. <laughs> no,
1: no, not at all.
0: <laughs> so, so, um, yeah, go on. So I guess he was your like mentor and so on. Is he some, because I mean, I look at you as like, you know, your total high end upholstery and, and it, it's hard to imagine that you'd have a tutor, but a mentor, but, but is he someone you would, Kick around ideas
1: with if you're stuck, or yeah, yeah, he would. And but I suppose my real mentor would be when I left. Well, when I was in my final year at college, I went and worked for Angela Bergen, over in oh, Tame. Right, yeah. And and so I worked for her for the summer, and then really she became she's my mentor. So when I do work and that sort of thing, even now, I will go back and say, you know, is this good enough for Angela? You know, so I still I still think that even 30 years after, you know, I stopped working for her. I still think that. <laughs> so, so I suppose for me, I would say Angela's probably my one that I would. She was my mentor right at the beginning of yeah. my career, really. Yeah.
0: So what was your your first job as an upholsterer? What your first paid job as an upholsterer? As in a- uh, my first
1: paid job was um, I met my wife uh, at college. And, um, and then we moved up to Edinburgh. Um, I got a job with a company called James Erskine's in, in Edinburgh. And, um, I was on the bench there, you know, there was, I was, what was I, probably about 24, something like that. I think it was. And I was on the bench and we were paid by, we were paid piecework. So you would have the estimator go out and then they would get the job and then there'd be a young lad who would rip it out. You would have the cutter. The sewing machinist and then you. Yeah. So something like a park and wing chair, they would normally allow 14 hours to do it. Yeah. And so everybody was allocated time, but if people went over the time, then the upholstery at the end was paid what was left.
0: Jeez.
1: So so it was a that, small room. Cruel. Yeah. And I I was there for a year yeah. doing that. And I was with the old I was with old boys, you know, there was one guy there. I suppose he was in his seventies. He would send a young lad out at lunchtime to the off-licence, <laughs> bottle of whiskey, <laughs> and he would drink that by the end of the day.
0: <laughs> what as hell? Wow!
1: So, um, so that was my first—that was my first paid, first paid upholstery job, and then I—and then we decided it was too far away because my parents live in Dorset, so we decided to move back down. So down here. What took you to Edinburgh in
0: the first place?
1: Really, the job. job i got a job up there and um we just decided that we would we'd move up there um we just wanted somewhere different i didn't have any ties to anywhere you know because being brought up in the middle east i didn't really have a hometown as such yeah you know my parents had a house in dorset but they were only there one month a year so not like a lot of people where they say well that's your that's your hometown you know you're going to settle around there and that sort of thing i didn't really have that so it didn't matter where i went
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I get that totally. I identify with that quite well. Even though I do have a hometown, I've got out there soon enough. But um, yeah. something I kind of find really interesting about talking to guys like yourself, it, you know, we, I, I guess there's a lot of people that look at the work that you do uh, yeah. and aspire to your, your skill levels. How do you feel about what you do? do you, are you aware of, of it, or, or do you look at it and think, "Christ, that's not good enough"? Are you, are you like all of us, in other words, or are you special? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always, I always question what I do.
1: Yeah. You know, I always think, "Oh, you know, that's that's not good enough for, for me," and that sort of thing. But I probably take a lot longer to do things than than other people. I like to sort of make sure that everything's as good as I can get it. So you know, some jobs aren't as profitable as as other jobs. Yeah but you know I have a standard of work that that I have yeah. and I try I keep it up as much as I can you know it's it is a you know you've got to keep your standards up you know you want you don't want to be different than everybody else down the road
0: Yeah absolutely you know and means. and and what what about um the the aspects of upholstery what are the things that you enjoy most or or or, or isn't there
1: Yeah I enjoy doing all the stitching you know all the underwork you know, yeah. I couldn't, I can't be bothered half the time, you know, I'm not, a, let's put the top cover on. I'm quite happy just to do the stitching. You know, I could just do stitching and stuffing all day long. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not worried about, you know, top fabrics at all. I'm one of the, you know, yeah. this this sort of, um what was it deconstructed look, I'd, I'd love that. You know, just, just leave it all yeah. as you can see
0: it. Yeah, well, that's what I was gonna ask you, because uh, I mean, it, does it upset you sometimes just covering up all of your work? yeah it does yes yeah yeah hence
1: hence why i like taking pictures of what i do underneath yeah Yeah. um really because once you cover it up you don't see it
0: yeah
1: and and that's that's something i make a point of with customers that i do work for um especially if it's a really nice piece of furniture that you're working on i'll take photographs as i go along and I, i will produce a little booklet for them yeah um with photographs so, so i'll go on the computer you know and I'll, I'll make a little booklet and i'll get it printed off so they've got a record of what what went on underneath yeah, yeah. and so yeah i i just love stitching and stuffing
0: yeah. okay so going back a bit because i jumped a bit there yeah, yeah. that's allowed i'm in charge <laughs> um, when you left edinburgh what what happened yeah. next after that where did you go after edinburgh what what was the um
1: i came down i came down to oxfordshire um yeah. Before I moved to Edinburgh, I applied for a job in Wallingford, which is just down the road from the school here.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, I wrote to her and said, "I never heard from you. Is there still a job going?" And uh, she said, "Yes." So um, we moved back down, and I worked. I worked for her probably for about four years, and I was on probably about three pounds, three hundred and fifty pound a month wage. Yeah. And I was, yeah. and I, and I. After about a year there, I then started doing estimating for her going out and doing estimating and towards the end we just sort of fell out really you know i didn't like the way things were going she would always she would offer cl- um clients velvet you know would you like it dark nap or light nap so i would just go along to her and say well do you want it the right way or the wrong way <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and in and in the end in the end we just fell out yeah and uh, her words to me come were to name her. Yeah, Sadly, she's no longer here, but, no, yeah. but, um, but, you know, her words to me were, well, perhaps you'd better move away.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, so um, was that I, the impetus for you to set up your own business?
1: Yeah, it was. I didn't have children then. And yeah. as my father said to me, you know, if you don't do it now before you have children, you never will. Yeah. So um, I set up Cottage Upholstery, um, what, 20, 27 years ago? If so, you don't mind me asking how old were you when you set it up? I was probably in my late twenties. And how long when did you spend on the bench up? prior to that? Prior to that, probably about two to three years. Okay. On the bench. A, yeah, yeah. But no, probably a bit longer actually, because if year up in, year in Edinburgh, and then about yeah, about five years, I'd say. Five, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, about five years on the bench before, and, and which I think is a good, which I think is a good grounding, you know, for people who before they go it alone.
0: Yeah, make, either, the, um,
1: make the mistakes on somebody else's time and not yours. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Love it. Um. So, when you you set up your business, um. Yeah. What? How did you get your clients? What was your What was your sort of?
1: Um, I, well, what I did first was I worked out sort of a price list. You know, yeah. this is how much it's going to cost to do. Um. And then I went knocking on doors in those days because it was, probably the mid mid 90s i suppose and in those days you know dealers were really affluent then you know and the american dealers would come over and buy stuff yeah and and so i went knocking on doors said well this is how much i charge you know give me a go yeah so um i had a i had i had a price list in theory i had they thought it was a trade price list but it was a price list for everybody so um and that, and they worked off that and of course a lot of antique dealers have Quite a few different upholsterers working for them, and I was just lucky enough that one came along and said, "You know, we're doing a fair. We're a bit pushed. Can you do this chair for us?" And it just went from there, really. And then, of course, they were pleased with the work, and then, of course, they then told other other dealers and that sort of thing. Yeah, and that's how it went.
0: So, so you completely um, grew by word of mouth and your 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 skill. Yeah, up.
1: yeah, word of mouth. And in, and in and in the first the first year of business. Um, I didn't take anything out of the business. I worked for um, TNT during the night, and then went to work. <laughs> so, so I did from eight till four in my workshop. Went home, had some tea, and then I did from six till two in the morning, unloading the TNT lorries. Wow! I did that, and I did that for a year.
0: God. I remember doing something very similar myself and put myself in hospital from it. So it wasn't a good plan yeah. for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I just I just thought I was working you know, in a bike shop during the day and yeah. then and then as in bicycles and then um, doing working for an upholsterers in the evening till sort of one, two o'clock in the morning. And I did that for yeah. about two months and put myself in hospital. So <laughs> I, <did>. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it to people,
1: but it no. just it just meant that I had a steady income coming in.
0: Yeah, needs must, isn't it? You know.
1: Well, that's it. Yeah. You know, and and I was only unloading the Arctic lorries, so yeah, yeah you've you got to
0: stay up till two o'clock in the morning doing it. And yeah, it's to
1: work. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, so, yeah so, so that's how really it started. And then I just got I got too busy in the workshop, so then I yeah I knocked that on the head and just carried on the workshop. Yeah,
0: and and sort of what what um in terms of the the, the business and keeping a business flow, Yeah. Is that just grown by word of mouth, or do you do anything else like marketing or or anything? It no, it's it is
1: mainly word of mouth. Yeah. Um. I used to have a little advert in a in a little tiny magazine. Yeah. Um. But I stopped that, and I don't really. I don't do any other advertising. I do shows and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But but the business grew really from word of mouth.
0: Yeah. And and presumably, sort of, as soon as you've done work for people, the, the word got out about your your skill level anyway one would imagine yes yeah. yeah yeah
1: because because I was using even then I was I was using top quality materials yeah so um so you know people were understanding that you know they were getting the best job that they could from me
0: and you've got such a deep understanding of the trade anyway which is is it always creates trust yes
1: anybody. yeah See, I think I think if you're honest with customers and that sort of thing then it yeah. you know it resonates out from yeah. from that
0: yeah yeah so What's, this might be a difficult question to ask, and I'm, I'm quite aware of it. Go on, then. <laughs> what's what's the, the, the proudest thing? What's, what's the thing that's made you proudest in, in the work that you've done, maybe in the last year or maybe ever?
1: Um, probably the proudest, well, the proudest piece of furniture I've ever done was when I took my MA um, at Bucks New Uni. I did a pair of chairs for the Royal Collection, and I'm, I'm proud of those. And they're on display at Hollywood Palace in, in Edinburgh. So they're probably my most yeah. most proudest piece that I've ever done.
0: Yeah, yeah. But if you were starting again today, is there anything yeah. you would do differently, given the technology and the way life is different today? How would you approach getting into the trade today? I would still,
1: work, I would still try and get your foot through the door with somebody else first. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would be my first thing to say to anybody is that you know if you can gain knowledge from somebody somebody else, especially if you're if you're learning, you know, the trade, you know, like our students here, for instance, that um, you know, just really getting into getting into a workshop, gaining experience from them before before jumping in and, and starting your own business up. Yeah. Because you'll you'll gain so much more. There's nothing wrong with doing bits on the side as well you know, small jobs at home, but don't run before you can walk. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's the main thing because, you know, I saw that when I took over, um, because I was, um, the part-time tutor at, at Bucks New uni looking after, um, conservation and restoration students, you'll be surprised how many people. sort. oh yeah, I thought, well, I've done a three year degree course. I can go off and, yeah. and start up your own, your own business. And, you, and quite a lot of people didn't, you know, and there aren't that many students who are still probably doing restoration, who did three-year degree courses.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So any sort of direct question that relates to that is what, what has changed uh, behind the bench in the time that you've been in the trade? What, what, what are the noticeable changes? I would say a noticeable change is
1: um, it's mainly women ladies yeah. who are coming into the trade not not men you know when i first started i would say 90 percent of the upholsters were men yeah with that and yeah. i've and in the in the 26 years i've been here i've employed one man and the rest have been women yeah. and they're the best i'm yeah. sorry to say but you know
0: i think it's true i don't i there's a i get
1: i get on with women better
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can relate to that as well. But it, it's just I, because I, I, I have predominantly employed women myself, and recently yeah. I, I've got Arta, who you obviously you know, and I've employed Lee, and they are phenomenal upholsterers, Both of those. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 it's, it's bucked the trend for me because it's been predominantly women that I've employed, but those oh, yeah. sort of yeah. come in and, and sort of really changed. Sort of the business in 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 a in a regard, so yeah, for me for me employing people,
1: it's um they have to have a passion, yeah, for what for what for what they do, and it's not a nine to five nine to five job either. That's the other thing. Um, you know, if they're doing something really, they've got to have a passion that they can't just walk away at five o'clock when they're halfway through something. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's the way it's always been. And I've been lucky enough, you know, to have some good. Good people come and work for me, you know, who've moved on. And I don't mind being a stepping stone. Yeah, Yeah. that's the other thing. I don't mind because that was one thing that really got me when I first sort of started was they would turn around and say, well, what experience have you had? Well, if nobody's going to give you experience, then yeah. you're never going to get it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's, I mean, that kind of relates to the, the next question. What frustrates you about the trade? I'll give you mine first, because I think it's the, that, that whole aspect of um, the fact that there are people who, who seem to think that if they employ somebody, they're their life's property and that they can't go and work somewhere else. And that's yeah. not what I learned. So why should it be the way? Someone else learns, you know. Um, yeah. I've about this before, but it, it's, it's, it's true. So what frustrates you about the trade, Greg? <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, God. Oh, that's a hard one, really, frustrating the trade. Well, one of my real gripes is patent book buying. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> With the trade. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, really. It's, it's a hard one. I, don't, no, I wouldn't say it really frustrates me at all.
0: Maybe you know, I'm, like I'm, I'm, you know,
1: I'm probably one of the most easy going regarding trade wise, you know. Training I think is, is becoming is a lot better yeah. than it was years ago. You know, um, you know, I think the AMUSF are, are doing a great job with, with training. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think I think, you know, because when when I had to employ people and they were training, you know, I used to have to send them down to Salisbury and that really was the only training that they yeah. got.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Apart from, you know, if you were lucky enough to get an apprenticeship. Yeah. So, you know, personally, I don't think, you know, nothing really sort of frustrates me too much at the moment.
0: Yeah. No, you know, good. It's... good. And, and sort of going back again, but Sorry. I've kind of forgotten this whole aspect, which is quite important for you, because it's what you're bloody brilliant at is. How did you get into teaching? What was the path for you to start teaching? How did that happen? Um, the, well,
1: the path really was I had my workshop. Um, and of course, I knew David James and the college in High Wicker made David James, um, they made him retire. He came to a certain age and they said, right, you've got to retire. So my name was put forward um, to become the part time tutor at um, Bucks New Uni. Yeah, And so I became the tutor, the tutor there um, part time. I looked after the fine craft restoration and so all the upholstery aspects of that so i was probably in there sort of twice a week doing that and i did that for about seven years i suppose looking after that that's where i met hannah Weston smith um she was doing the ma there and and so um i started there and then i took my ma whilst i was teaching there as well so i had to stop teaching for a year and and i took my ma in conservation and restoration did that. And then they closed, the, um, they closed the restoration workshops down and the design workshops. So the upholstery sort of went, went by the wayside. There wasn't any furniture courses there anymore. Wow. So whilst I was there, though, I did try and get them to do the AMUSF course. And of course, they'd already had the plans to close, close workshops. Right. So, um, so sadly, um, but I managed to get them to take it at Rikerwood in Oxford okay and and so i taught i taught the amusf course there for four years um it was the old syllabus so it was just a two-year two-year yes. course yeah and so i took um so i suppose the main person i taught there was Jay blade <laughs> he oh was really my student yeah he was oh, okay. one of my students okay. so um yeah he had no really a pulse experience and he came and did one year there so um hey. and then he never came to anything, though, did he? Not really.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's got the gift of the gab, that's all I say. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, yeah, and then really I got fed up teaching there and I knew Gareth. So we decided that we would open up our school
0: here. Yeah. So how did and you know Because rest- I've obviously asked Gareth that, but that was a few, a few episodes ago.
1: Um, I met Gareth through through a mutual friend, really. Um, I used to employ um, a a nice German girl, Rabia, and she worked for me for for quite a few years. And Gareth was a friend of Rabia's. And then I needed somebody to do um, some wing chairs for me. So um, he did a couple of wing chairs. And then we just got chatting, you know, and and I've known him probably about sort of 10 years, I suppose. Yeah. on, On and off. And um, and then really, I suppose when I went to a livery meeting up in London, uh, the guys at Shoreditch were looking for a tutor, and so I asked Gareth if he was interested, and that's how that's how he started teaching at Shoreditch. Yeah, yeah. And um, the rest is history, really. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So to tell us a bit about starting the school, because um, that, that must have been a very exciting time for you. I mean, we've yes, it was, yeah. us, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. It'd be nice to hear yours
1: yeah no it was really good so once gareth and i decided that well once i decided i was going to leave oxford and then gareth and i started chatting and really we only had a couple of months you know before we opened the doors here to to the school and we were lucky enough that i managed to take all my students from oxford (laughs) they decided to come with me (laughs) So, (laughs) so at least we had at least we had some students and then we managed to fill you know, another level one in, in that year as well. So, and um, we managed to find this building, which is just by my workshop as well, which is yeah, which is nice. Um, but it's it can be a bit of a hindrance as well because yeah. they keep popping over. They keep popping over to my workshop,
0: yes, and uh, yeah.
1: borrowing borrowing things and not <laughs> returning them. <laughs> I emphasise that word on Gareth borrowing things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a good building, but um, we've now outgrown it. Yeah. So yeah, so it's and so Gareth and I, we you know, we got together, made a plan and wow. um took us a while to decide the name of the school, but and and then really it's it's just it's just snowball from there, really. Yeah. You know, it has.
0: Gareth, sorry, gone. On. Go on. No, I was just gonna say it's just grown and grown and grown. And the reputation, you must be incredibly proud of your reputation.
1: Yes, we are, yes. Yeah, we work we work exceptionally hard to, to keep the standards. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't skimp on, you know, our standards at all. You know, we're very... Gareth and I, I, suppose, we're very sort of down to earth. We want to teach the craft. You know, we don't want the frills and all that that goes with upholstery, you know. So we want to teach the basic skills and emphasize on those skills. Yeah. We don't do mood boards and that sort of thing, you know. It's, yeah. it's, it's the hand crafting skills and getting those... Going to stand I think
0: in good stead, isn't it? Yeah, I, I which, are, mean, which are really important. Yeah. But, but also, is, I mean, I've had this conversation already with Gareth. But but it's I, I think it's lovely the fact that you invite people like me, to to continue their education. You know, people that have been in the trade for a while that, that want and recognise that yes, to yeah. learn. I, I, it's such a great thing that you're doing. Yeah, um, the career development, the career development
1: courses. You know, that just people are coming and honing their skills if they want to. Yeah. And running sort of weekends or week courses, you know, getting different tutors in, like Bruno from the States and that sort yeah. of thing. Getting Bruno over, and then I can't remember that other Frenchman's name. He lives somewhere near Ta- uh, Tring, but I can't oh, remember I've his name of off. Of yeah, but I've, I've heard of him. Yeah. and you know, yeah. get, getting him coming over occasionally as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, what's his name? Oh, I think his name's Amon. I think or something yeah, like that. So he's, he's um, you yeah, he's one
0: of the <laughs> Musketeers, isn't he? Yeah, that's it, yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, so how do you relax outside of upholstery or isn't there such a thing? I don't,
1: my world is upholstery. You ask really? my wife, you know, the days that I'm, I don't have to take my daughter to work, I'm in at six and I go home seven, 7.30, sometimes later. Really? You know,
0: yeah. yeah,
1: my world, my world really is upholstery. You know, I love what
0: I do. I can't settle unless I'm doing that. <laughs> that's, I, that's so lovely. And, and so, one of the things I I feel like I'm in danger of repeating myself, but but one of the things I've, I always notice about you is is the well, people on your level because there's a few of you, but but that the preciseness and and the accuracy of your your tacking and your stitching. Is that something that has just come as a natural flow to you, or is it something that you've learned?
1: Are no, you... I'd say I've, le- I've learned it more yeah. than anything else, yeah. you know. It's, it's practice, you know, and I suppose it's not, a f- it's not something that does come naturally to me. I do have to concentrate, you know, to getting it really precise as well. But are you, you know, in I'm not...
0: yourself? Are you quite OCDC?
1: um yes I am I suppose I am really you know it's um but I don't do a lot of things like you know I don't skewer I just go straight in with attack you know and unless unless it's on show as well but everything has to be in in, right in its place but I wouldn't say I'm really OCD yeah
0: well obviously sort of social media and stuff you see a lot of work and it's just fascinating that that you you can really spot someone that's at that that, that level because there's just that accuracy yeah you know i am i'm a long way from that and it's something (laughs) something i aspire to you know and and that's that's what i love about the trade is that yeah you're always looking to improve and be better
1: wait wait, but you're always learning yeah even with me you know You'll, you'll get a piece of furniture and you'll think oh you know how do i do that or there's a cut that you're not quite sure about even after 30 odd years of doing it, you know, you're still getting a scrap bit of fabric and doing the cut just to make sure you're doing it right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to ask the last question because I feel like I've got loads more to ask you. <laughs> we can but, carry on. <laughs> but, but so, so I'm going to ask actually, so obviously you teach a lot of students and you, you, yeah. you, when they, they finish their third year with you or, or, or yes. with the diploma. Is there any um, advice that you give them in terms of what they should attempt to do and, and how to do it? Or, or, or is there something that you would like to suggest to them? Um, well, I, I always say to them, don't,
1: don't do something you're not sure about, you yeah. know, to begin with, you know, because, yes, they're doing the course, but they've only done a small amount of, small amount of pieces of furniture. Especially when you take something from first year right through the third year, they've probably only done sort of four or five pieces, yeah, you absolutely. know, and, and one large piece. So I would always say be careful what what you're going to take on, yeah, um, yeah, for a start. But the doors always open. We always say to our students, the doors always open once they finish their three years, regardless if they do, you know, of our, our other diploma that we do with the guild. Yeah. So. Um, always come and ask, you know, I always say to people, you know, my door's always open. If you're stuck, just give us a call.
0: Yeah. Cause it's, um, I, I think, you know, one of the, the things is the, the, the time behind the bench, isn't it? And and it's, This yes. yeah. the thing that, that, that there seems a real, a real full stop between the courses and actually achieving time behind the bench. I
1: I've yeah.
0: spoken to you guys about, about this before, but I just, I wish there was a way that we could fix that so that there were, even if it's only a month of people having time behind the bench uh, when they finished, do you know what I mean? I, yeah.
1: I, yeah. Yeah. I would, I I would love, I would love to sort of, you know, I know that the guild is, is bringing out this journeyman, which is, is to help people who are newly qualified, you know, and that want to join, join our guild and they're not. And so, that they would be sort of mentored by a guild member who'd be, who's been in the business for, for a while.
0: yeah.
1: And, and that's sort of a bit like, um, a bit like a student really once they finish here, you know, we, I would love to have other people in the workshop, but I've always had the philosophy is that I didn't start a workshop to become a manager. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's my thing, you know, is yeah. I, I like being on the, I like being on the bench. Yeah. I like doing the work. Yes. I teach two days a week and I'm probably going to, Go up and do three days a week, but then I'll still do three days a week in the workshop yeah, 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 so you know and and you can't take somebody on who wants to gain more knowledge and leave them with somebody who's in your workshop working, you know I think that's unfair to sort of pass that pass that mantle on to in theory an employee
0: employee though doesn't it to be fair.
1: Yes, but it, I suppose it, it just
0: depends on the passion, really, of that of Absolutely that employee. Well, I mean, it's it's the recurring theme of everything we talk about on the podcast is the, the passion of of what you're doing. Yeah, so, anyway. you I,
1: know, I'm, I just, lucky, I'm I'm lucky that I've got I've got Nikki in my workshop you who know, who's been with me 15 years.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, I and she, I took her on from when she finished finished Bucks. She did the yeah. degree course there, and and she's been phenomenal. You know, and you know, you can give her a modern armchair and she'll she'll do that very easily.
0: Um, and I've, I've kind of come up with another question, Greg. This is amazing. Go on, then. <laughs> so so the, when you're doing conservation work and so on, when you're, you're, yep. when you're... So how much research do you have to do on a piece of furniture? Do, do you sometimes have to spend time studying a piece of furniture to actually get...
1: Yes, it? yeah, yeah. Look at the piece and because, of course a lot of pieces of furniture have been altered over the years so you know somebody's got along and they've stitched it up when it shouldn't be stitched yeah and so you know you're you're doing a lot of research you're doing you're looking at a lot of paintings and that's something because paintings will give you the actual profile of what the piece looked like in that period you know because you can't change it you know a Gainsborough chair is a good example really you know these days Everybody likes to stitch a Gainsborough chair up to a sharp edge. Yeah. And originally it wouldn't have been, you know, it would would have been, it would have been a roll, you know, it wouldn't have been a, it would have been just a rolled edge, um, a bit of welt edge rolled. And, and then filled in with hair, you know, because that's the way it was. But of course, over the years, people have thought, oh yeah, let's have a nice stitched edge on that. And that mainly dealers who like that. Yeah. And it just changes, it changes the profile of the piece of furniture. And so, and so, and trying to save, you know, I think one of the most important things for conservation in upholstery is saving, saving the original upholstery.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: You know, that's, that's the most important thing. You know, if I'd had my time again and it was around, um, I would probably uh, become an upholstery conservator. My passionate job would be to go and go and sort of, um, Work in a museum and become a a textile upholstery textile conservator. You know, I love that side of it. You know, I love I love the um, non-obtrusive upholstery that that the Americans brought in. I did a piece when I did my MA, um, and so that side of upholstery really fascinates me. Yeah. I'll I'll travel all over the world just to go to symposiums, yeah, just to listen to that to that.
0: I remember going to the Guild. Uh... The traditional oh It was quite a long time ago now, where they had the guy from the states talking about conservation, and yeah, and so on. I can't remember who it was now, but it was that was really interesting talk. Sort of in terms of trying not to be intrusive to the frame by 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 using perspex to support the the webbing and so on. And
1: yeah, yeah, because the piece the piece I did, um, I used um, what did I use aluminium and and then made a frame. It was on a gilt chair for yeah. um, Lord Rothschilds, and there was no upholstery tacked onto that frame whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's my passion, really, you know, trying to conserve stuff. If you find a piece of furniture that comes in, it's got the original fabric on or part original fabric, I try and save all that, and I will bag that up, and I will put that back inside the chair. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and it's, I think that's the most important thing with, with furniture. You don't always get the original upholstery. On there, but if you find stuff, you know, record it because it'll get lost in his, in in time.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, that's such an important point. It's really interesting. And so, Greg, we're coming yeah. to the desert island disc section of the. <laughs> show. I've, I've, I've introduced this. I don't know if it's going to work, but I'm going with it anyway because it's the things I love. So let's go for it. So you, you you're on your desert island disc, and you're De- desert island you're on your desert island, and you've got a book, a film, and a piece of music. What what would they be? Um, my book, I don't read
1: books um, at all. So it tends to be magazines and they're furniture related.
0: (laughs) What a surprise. Who'd have thought that?
1: (laughs) I was going to say something else, but it's a bit X rated. So I didn't. So, so so yeah, it tends, it tends to be furniture related, related books, really. Yeah. Um well magazines more than anything else. Because I've got dyslexia, so I tend to sort of forget what's on the previous page. Yeah. So yeah, lo- lots, lots, of pi- yeah. lots of pictures are good for me. Yeah. So um <laughs> so um so yeah, so I t te- it tends to be sort of furniture books really yeah. more than anything else. Yeah. Um music. Um I like I like sort of people like Jean George. Um I don't have one specific, you know, music. But I suppose something like that, John Jojai I quite like, and Shirley Bassey. I have that on really loud in the workshop.
0: Um, <laughs> do you dress well. up
1: as well? Well, I try to sometimes, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, we don't. I don't have music on very much. Oh, I do when it's me, but when it's the two of us in the workshop, you know, as you know, we have a big telly in the workshop. Yes, I do, Arthur uh... goes
0: on about it incessantly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, um so we watch a lot of films as well.
0: Have you got a, fi- a, a favorite film? If you, if you,
1: yes, uh, Mister Bean's Holiday. Mister Bean's <laughs> Holiday.
0: <laughs> Deeply intellectual. I'm glad to hear it. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yep,
1: yeah. because so, we named we named my, my daughter's middle name is um, after that film as well. Her name is um, Sabine. Her middle name.
0: Oh, Okay.
1: So um, so I don't know if any if you've seen the film, but she's the the French girl who drives the little yellow mini. So, um, All
0: right. okay. so my,
1: my, my, my wife said to me, what do you want to call her, her middle name? And I said, Sabine. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's
0: fantastic. Greg, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. Fascinating. That's OK. Advice. Thank you. Take care, buddy.